1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the State of Amorica podcast. I hope everybody has had a very Merry Christmas and we hope you have a very happy New Year going forward. Ian, did Santa Claus come see you?
2: He did. And I was not left uh, cold this year. I got some very nice things, some, uh, some nice musical things. So, you know, that's always a bonus for me. How about you?
1: uh despite my bad behavior santa claus was very good to me so i cannot uh (laughs) i cannot complain um it seems like you know you have this like four or five week build up to the holidays and then it just it goes before you know it once it gets here
2: yeah it is like lightning fast, you know i mean it's just all a all a blur i don't know my older age i kind of gotten away from uh The uh, gift aspect of it. I just kind of like getting together with the family and hanging out. It's always a good couple laughs, you know.
1: It is, especially if you can get a couple of days off. You don't have to worry about work. But, um, man, we sit here, we're recording this. Man, what a year it was for our podcast.
2: Oh, that's the understatement of of the year. And uh, (laughs) um, certainly this podcast is, I mean, when we first started doing this, my mindset was, well, if like three people listen to this, that'd be fantastic. But uh, it's certainly gone beyond that. I never expected it to to end up in such a short amount of time where it is, and uh, you know, I am forever grateful to everybody and anybody who's ever listened for making that possible. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. This is a great thing we got, and it's only gonna, the trajectory is gonna continue upwards as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, when we started this, I, I thought, you know, we'd have couple hundred people maybe really be really be truly interested into it and want to listen to it but um i was wrong and i mean i feel like we've built a nice community of people i get uh nice messages on our twitter inbox a lot um, thanking us for what we do and uh really a lot of people really appreciate that we try to be as kind of as neutral as we can be and not necessarily focus on the negative because as we said before the Positive outweighs the negative, but it's the negative sometimes that gets the headlines.
2: Certainly true, but um, you know we've always tried to maintain an even keel here, and I mean it's I mean just all the great things that have happened. I mean you know Steve coming on really was the you know big thing. Uh, Both Steves actually, Steve Gorman and Steve Hyden, but you know it's surreal to speak to Steve Gorman, and you know and of course Matt Slocum, who was our first um, famous guest, I guess we could say, and and he was. uh, very courteous to us. And I still drop him a line from time to time on social, you know, through social media and he's still very kind to us. And, uh, but what we've got in the, uh, in the hopper is exciting. And we can't obviously divulge any of those details at this point, but there's some great things coming up. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yes. Um, would you say we have an intermediary working on our behalf or something?
2: Uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That had, uh, it actually slipped my mind, but we definitely have something, uh, fantastic uh in the works and if that uh comes to be that's going to be very exciting and i'm sure everybody will enjoy it
1: and we uh have uh another guest that has agreed to come on that uh let's just say is going to make for some interesting uh, internet fodder and all of this is is kind of in the future and um but let's talk about kind of the present and what just happened so on our last episode we had a auction uh ebay auction and uh among the things was um you can bid to be a guest host so shout out to our buddy steve gleason from the amoricans he uh he ponied up a hefty size of money some of money there to uh to to be our our guest host and we've reached out with him and we're going to coordinate that in the future and he will be an official host for a week his name will be on everything and uh we will communicate with him uh, i guess on a group text like Ian and i do during the week to prepare so Thank you to Steve. Thank you to everybody that, um, that contributes to that. And uh, Ian, I'm going to throw it to you and I'm going to do a drum roll and you can tell everybody how much money
2: we raise. <laughs> well, our grand total uh, in this uh, first uh, annual State of Morgan auction, uh, we raised $700. So uh, uh, David was speaking with uh, uh, Dave Chamberlain. Was our uh, our connection to Nucci Space, and he kind of broke it down as to what that would uh, equate, and uh, what did he what did he let you know, David?
1: It'll basically um, pay for psychiatric psychiatric care for one musician in need for a calendar year.
2: Uh, I mean, and that's you know that's fantastic to give somebody you know something like that for a, a full year. Uh, it's just that's just great, uh, you know. I mean. A lot of people. There's still a stigma attached to uh, to mental health and and things like that. And and uh, you know some people don't get the help they need because of finances or other things. And so if we can provide that to somebody, I think that's a great thing. And I thank everybody that participated and made that possible for the recipient of this money. I also just want to mention. Uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Steve Gleason. Um, you know, winning uh, the guest host spot. But I do want to mention the gentleman over in the UK, Mister Andy Mailman. He uh, went uh, hog wild with this uh, auction and actually was the winner on several items. So he contributed a large sum of money too. And he's always been, you know, behind the scenes a great guy and sending us encouraging messages and, you know, commenting on things and a big supporter. So I'm glad that uh, he participated and I, I, I thank him on the behalf of both of us.
1: Yes, many thanks, Andy, and many thanks to everybody that uh, that contributed. And uh, Ian will be getting that stuff in the mail to you uh shortly uh so be on the lookout for that and we'll probably maybe we'll try to make that an annual thing do that every year uh at christmas since this was our first year doing it and we will uh try to make it even bigger and better next year all right so ian uh here we are new episode and we need to kind of start the new year off with a bang and um have one of those good podcasts that's going to create some controversy and debate kind of like our Lions episode
2: that's right. I you know, speaking of that Lions episode, when I check our, our our numbers from time to time just to see where our episodes are falling in terms of popularity and things, uh, that Lions one is, is 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 so high up there. it's unbelievable to me because I it's such an it's an album that I I always thought the majority were against, but I guess like you said, it makes for a uh, great debate, right?
1: They may be listening to it so they can yell at us on, their, right. on their phone or their computer. <laughs> <laughs> all right so this week we're going to this is going to be kind of cool we're going to rank the studio albums uh each ian's going to rank his i'm going to rank mine we're going to take a little bit of a liberty with that in that we're going to consider tall an official release and we're going to consider band an official release this one the top three or four for me are, are never hard it's those bottom ones that uh i struggle with
2: yeah the top f- top four for me too i mean i I think most people's top four um are obvious it's just the order that uh, you know varies from person to person but uh you know beyond that i think there's um a lot of room for debate and i think there'll be some surprises here so we're going to do this individually and we're going to start from the bottom and work our way to the top isn't that right
1: that's correct and we'll let you go first and then when you get done i'll tell you where you're wrong
2: yeah, well, I we every time we do something like this, David will send me his list, and then like a jerk, I don't send mine back because I like to, there to be some suspense. But anyway, I think uh, right out of the gate, um, my the lowest album for me uh, is, is probably going to get me uh, shot in some circles. But uh, bottoming out my list uh, is Tall, actually. To me, is a blueprint for Amorica. And it's important, but at the same time, it's the album I go back to the least because I, I prefer the versions of the tracks that made it onto Amorica uh, instead. And some of the other things on there sonically don't do a whole lot for me. I kind of agree with Steve Gorman, as it turns out. It kinda just uh the the production on it kind of comes up flat for me and I I, I just see it as like a you know, if there wasn't toll, there wouldn't be an Amorica, and that's it's a very vital thing. But in terms of my personal preference, it's the it's definitely the one I go back to the least. Following that one is um, a debut album, "Shake Your Money Maker." Again, landmark album put the band on the map but it's you know one of two that i kind of just uh, revisit the least although i did have a good time when we just did the shaky money maker special and revisited that and, and that being said i'm looking forward to seeing it uh performed in its entirety live because i've, I've kind of gotten back to it a little bit next up for me is war paint <laughs> Enough songs on War Pain for me that I, I it, it ranks a little higher on my list. I liked it much more when it came out. You know, it hasn't worn as well for me. You know, I, I uh, obviously oh, oh Josephine is on there, which is one of their strongest tracks in years. But it's uh, you know, there's a lot more skipping that I do through it than I used to, and uh, I think the excitement at the time it came out kind of contributed to the enjoyment of it. And over time, that kind of you know dissipated a bit. Following that, I have By Your Side. <laughs> all right reverse effect i've actually come to um enjoy that much more so over the years i mean i liked it when it came out but i i like You know, it's got to go tell the congregation on it, David, you
0: know?
2: (laughs) How can you go wrong, you know? Mm. (laughs) Well, let me count the ways. (laughs) And then uh, after that, I have uh, Lion's... I was always a big, big appreciator of Lions. I see Lions as a uh, really a showcase for, for Rich. That's just the, some of the riffs that he came up with on that album. I mean, you know, lyrically, sometimes it falls flat and Chris maybe wasn't as into it as he should have been. But uh, musically, there's a lot of stuff that keeps me coming back to Lions. So I will always have a soft spot in my uh, American heart for Lions. Uh, above that is uh, Before the Frost. <laughs> If you take it as one statement, like it is on final before the frost until the freeze and the track order that way, you know, there's some there's some stuff on there that maybe uh, doesn't uh, connect or things like that. But it's got been a long time waiting on love. Greenhorn, you know, good morning, Captain, uh, the cover of uh, so many times by uh, Manassas. I mean, there's just some fantastic material on there. Mostly I gravitate to what I believe is the rich stuff, you know, the stuff that clearly he was the more dominant voice on in the writing process but uh, I'll always love that record I think it's cool the way it was recorded too you know so then then we come to the top four which everybody's top four is usually the, uh, the same so number four for me is Amorica <laughs> Record. I'll always love it um, you know it's it's recorded uh, Jack Joseph uh, Puig did some really nice production on there although Mark Ford did mention to me one time uh, that he thought uh, it took some of the soul out of it maybe because they did big recorded parts over and over again you know it was more more produced than maybe some of their other records but uh, you know it's, it's it's a classic it's one of the one of the uh, it's from the classic era. And you know, I'm sure it'll be number one on a lot of people's list. But uh, so number three for me, and uh, I, I might, if I listen closely enough, might hear your your heartbreaking on this one, David. But it's uh, Southern Harmony is mm. number three for me. <laughs> definitely a pivotal record it's a force to be reckoned with um it's it was a hard pick the top four is it was hard for me to order them but if i had to you know i'm picking in terms of the ones that um i go back to the most and the ones that i rely on the most so fortunately southern harmony came in third for me although the you know it's a solid album start to finish of course uh number two is the band I've always loved the band since I got my, my little Tape Trader hands on a copy in about 2002, I think it was. And uh, I've loved it ever since. And uh, so glad that it, it got a vinyl release because the vinyl was mastered really nicely. And, and I just love all the track. To me, that's a band that's firing on all cylinders. And I it's amazing to me that they abandoned that direction and headed off where they headed off. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, of course. So... That leaves my, my number one spot, and I've said this before, but my number one is Three Snakes and One Charm. For me, Three Snakes and One Charm is the sound of the Black Crow. It was, it was the, you know, 96 Black crows the peak of their... Uh, live performances as far as I'm concerned and to me it's when they really sound, there's no you can't listen to Three Snakes and One Charm and go oh that sounds like this or that sounds like that, it was the Black Rose being entirely themselves and that's why I love that record and it it really, I never get tired of it I can listen to it um, aside from Rich Robinson's Ceaseless Sight it's my favorite record of all time so that's my that's my ranking, so have at me David Tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> First of all, I don't,
1: I don't know if we can do the podcast anymore if you put Southern Harmony at number three. Um, <laughs> uh, send in your applications to uh, stateofamarketgmail.com to be the new co-host. I can't be fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, let's see. Uh, I, have, I take issue with tall. I take issue. I know
2: because we do this by video. By the way, we I, I just saw his eyes go very cartoony wide when I said. So I, knew I was in yeah. I was, I was
1: looking at my list. Um, yeah, I, I would I would take issue the most with Southern Harmony, the second most with Tall, and then with Before the Frost. But that top that top four looked pretty good, except for Southern Harmony. Uh, Ian, you don't know this because you're not on Twitter, but um, I did like a um a tournament on twitter people voting for which album uh they prefer most you know and what i did it in groups of two according to chronological release so i did moneymaker versus southern harmony and morgue versus three snakes and went on down and i was shocked at how few votes three snakes got in that and um I, i i really was and Southern Harmony won it. I forget the totals, but it won it probably about by about 20%. But Amorca was really high up there for a lot of people. And uh, our audience thinks you're wrong on Southern Harmony. <laughs> what is it about it that you don't like?
2: Oh, it, it, it really... Where's the weak spot? Let me spot? put it to you this way. My top four is really like... All of them are kind of like on an even plane, really. I mean, it's just, I just, I, it's, 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 it's mm-hmm. not, there's nothing. The, the, I told, I, I think we discussed this one other time um, when we were doing the B-sides uh, episode. Um, the only complaint I have about Southern Harmony, and I, I believe you disagreed with me on this too, is that I thought um, Time Without Should Come Off and uh, Darling and the Underground Press should be on there because I, I, I would prefer it to be an entirely original record. But other than that's that, that's fair. That's have, fair. I, I have no, no complaints. And the only, the, it's personal reasons why th- uh, the band in Three Snakes went above it on the list. Three Snakes, particularly, I mean, I, the first album I bought by the, the Black Rose was Southern Harmony. The first album I listened to was Three Snakes. Mm-hmm. So it, it holds a very personal thing for me. And it was, it's one of those albums, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this in, in, with something uh, music wise. Um, it's one of those albums that's always been there for me. You know what I mean? Right. It Got me, got me through a lot of uh, dark clouds and some sunny skies too. You know, so I, I just love it. But Man, it really,
1: but that's not I, the album you want to listen to if, with dark clouds.
2: That's true. It <laughs> might put you, uh, you know. But it is, it is dark. It's
1: kind of like uh, Ian and I were discussing before we came on air. I've been listening to uh, Disintegration by The Cure a lot, and I was like, yeah, no, it's dude, not that dark. That's not, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the one you want to throw in if you're if you're having a bad day, but. <clears throat> All right, so I guess we'll do mine, and mine will be the definitive list, yes. of course. Um, <laughs> let's see, it's 10, I think. Coming in at number 10 is warping. Never wanted to like an album more in my life than this album. Never. Uh, the build up to it, the anticipation. If you remember, this was before there were just a ton of things leaking on the internet. Um, they played it in its entirety a night or two before its release. And I remember somebody was able to stream it online, and it was the first show ever with Luther Dickinson. And you know, you didn't know what the band was even going to sound like, to be honest, because gone was ford gone was eddie harsh um all of that was gone and and you just didn't know what the band was going to sound like and then you're thinking like well if they get luther dickinson they're gonna kind of have to go more of an americana blues based way which they did to some extent and i've said this before on here i bought several copies of this sent it to people i think they may have even had some type of like war paint street team or something that maybe i signed up for and The day it came out, I was like, oh, this is the best album ever, you know, and I just was telling myself how great it is, and it's just this beautiful artistic achievement, you know, and it's just going to take me a while to really get into it like I want to, but I kept telling myself it's great, and as time went on, I was like, it's not that great. It's just not that great, and if I listen to any songs off of it now, the number one I'm going to listen to off of it is Moving On Down the Line, and then Oh, Josephine, and then Goodbye Daughters of the Revolution, the rest of it. Yeah, just doesn't. You're not an
2: you're not an evergreen fan.
1: I'm not. I'm not. We're Um, breaking up.
2: (laughs) It's just just (laughs) some
1: stuff on there. I just I didn't like. And then the next one is uh, before the frost. they get big kudos in my opinion for trying to do something completely original and there are times when it absolutely worked and there's times when it didn't good morning captain i like been a long time waiting on love um i like and the band plays on of course and then appaloosa i really like that song when i get past that uh, there there's some things i just i don't like and we're gonna we're gonna cover that album fairly soon, I think, and so I'll get go more into that when we get to it. Next would be by your side. I think if you. Um, take three or four songs off and plug in some of the b-sides you have a totally different album i can't get past go tell the congregation and diamond ring i know steve told us how great diamond ring is and uh i uh i value steve gorman's opinion very much but uh i i just cannot get into those two songs and then kicking my heart around it it had some has some potential i love by the song by your side i love only a fool virtue and vice welcome to the good Mm -hmm. times has um grown on me Horsehead has grown on me uh i'm gonna get killed online for saying this but heavy has grown on me some but i think had it been produced a little bit differently it would have been accepted better i think there was a lot of potential for this to be the eddie harsh album to be honest with you there's a lot of keyboard and and organ and stuff on there Um, and i think just the way it was mixed and by the way the early incarnations of go faster have leaked online have you heard those before
2: i have heard uh i had heard sad brown eyes somehow along the line i had got my hands on sad brown eyes but the beginning of it was kind of clipped off yeah but i I never heard red wine stains
1: yeah i like the sad brown eyes version all right so the next album for me is (laughs) tall agree that the production on this is very very flat and and that's what drops it down a lot for me i love tornado and thunderstorm 654 Uh, i think those are great songs and i always get confused on this feathers is on tall right
2: yes feathers came out um on a horde tour sampler the 95 horde Mm -hmm. that was the first time i heard feathers and the mix is a little different so i you know i don't know if that is necessarily considered a tall track, or, if, but, you know, who knows?
1: Yeah. So obviously, I love Feathers. A lot of people were kind of on Dirty Hair, a halo. That, that song just never really has done a lot for me. What about
2: you? I like what Mark does on it. A lot of people championed it a lot more than I, I thought maybe it was wor- it deserved, but I, I always liked it. So the, the album's
1: also a little long. So, I mean, there's obviously some filler on there. Next, I have is Lions. <laughs> I think you take come on Lickin' and ozone mama off of it and I think you have a totally different perception of that album. Um uh, there's some underappreciated cuts on there I really like No Use Line and uh Losing My Mind. I love those songs and those were um you know, you had a, a rich vocal on Losing My Mind and No Use Line sounds like something nothing else that they've done before. Uh Lay It All on Me is great we've talked a lot about midnight from the inside out soul singing just a great song and then here's where things get a little hard for me at number four i have a amorka and for the longest time a amorka would have been number two Over the years, it has dipped down because uh, P-25 London, Downtown Money Waster. I just, uh, I can't get past those two songs. I don't like them. And the albums that I have above it do not have that many songs that I think are, I can do away with. I think that, for me, I think this is the best produced album they've ever put out. At number three, I have banned. it's so hard to take by your side seriously when you realize just a year before that they're in the studio recording band and, and go to that. And I've, I think I've said it on here. I think if by your side comes out after shake your moneymaker, it's a total different people have a total different view of it, but because it comes after the 96, 97 tour, which was their A lot of people think is their best one. And then, you know, you have these band sessions and we've heard some of those songs beforehand before that ever happened you know before that album leak to go to by your side i completely understand why people poo poo on that one so much so number 2 for me is three snakes This used to be number three, and in the last couple years, it has really just moved up the um, ladder for me. It's always had a lot of songs I like. Evil Eye, I don't like. I never will. I, I would take that off. But other than that, there's for me there's nothing that's completely skippable on there. I get, I don't like Blackberry all that much, but I'm not going to get up and change the record if, you know, move the needle on that one. I think Amorca is their best recorded album. I think mm-hmm. Three Snakes is them at their creative peak. And I think their best album they've ever recorded is Southern Harmony. <laughs> my Favorite album of all time. I think it is perfect. I think I told this to Steve in my opinion, it deserves to be ranked up there with Exile of Main Street, Dark Side of the Moon, Damn the Torpedoes, uh, Born to Run, some of the all time great albums. Uh, and I don't understand why, from an outsider's perspective, it doesn't get more press than it does. You'll see like a lot of top 100 lists from the 90s, and it's not on there. And if you can find 100 albums from the 90s that are better than that i mean come on you know I, I just i don't understand it and i personally think this is you know the album where you have to leave the the faces stuff behind because they were creating their own sound i think they honed it in on um Amorica and three snakes but they were going with their own thing i mean if you watch some of these videos from 92 93 especially like the um some of the opening show the opening numbers when it's no speak no slave, like on the spring break video or like the high in Houston um video and any of those, man, that, they're a borderline hard rock band on No Speak No Slave. I mean, they are just killing it. And and then you have you turn around and have Thorn in My Pride and uh, you know, Sometimes Salvation. Probably my least favorite track on that album is Bad Luck Blue Eyes Goodbye, but it's still really really good. It's a great blues song. And then, you know, Hotel Illness and Sting Me on there. And then of course, my in my opinion the best song they've ever recorded without a doubt is My Morning Song. And mm. that became I mean, it kind of became their dark star. You know, you, yeah, you would it you is, would, actually. you would get, you know, these uh these crazy jams and sometimes you know it would be 18, 19 minutes and you know, sometimes Chris is playing some type of percussion instrument and sometimes he's not. And you always had that huge buildup on it. And I think it's kind of the, one of the definitive songs of them. And, and then I personally like Time Will Tell at the end because I think a closing track matters on an album. Just like Descending matters on Amorica. Southern Harmony, with outside of um, Thorn in My Pride and Bad Luck, Blue Eyes, Goodbye to some extent, is wide open the whole time and it does not let up, especially that backside hotel illness, black moon creeping, no speak, no slave, my morning song. And you got to have something kind of mellow to chill you out. And what's better than, you know, Bob Marley. So I understand why people don't like the song. I just think it fits in it with it perfectly. Kind of like if you listen to exile on main street, uh, sweet black angel on its own. I don't think it's a great song, but where it's slotted in on that album, it helps to make that section of the album. It's one of those things I can't really explain. You either get it or you don't. But I get it. Uh Southern Harmony to me is is as good as they come and I think the playing on that is probably their best. Like I said, I think Amorica was recorded the best, sounds the best, and Three Snakes was them at their creative peak. But so that's my
2: that's my ranking of the team. Well, I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. Um, as far as the uh, listener base goes, uh, your list is going to be the more popular one, and I'm okay with that, David. I am. I really am. <laughs> I've gone to lots of therapy, and I'll be <laughs> but um, again, I don't want it to be perceived either that I have that I don't value Southern Harmony and its significance and what it means to the catalog of the band. And I, the thing about it, and again, it, you know, it's all personal choices really southern harmony is a, is a is a is a rock record and it's a guitar record and i love that stuff but i've always leaned more towards like the rock music that has a lot of acoustic elements in it and that's what three snakes is really there's a lot of acoustic stuff going on there and that's just for for my personal taste like that you know and I, three snakes just means a lot to me but uh, you know i get that the most important album and i will never deny this the most important album in the black rose catalog is southern harmony and that will always be it's their masterwork you're right it's it's it belongs with exile and you know all the classics and um uh, no, and you're also 100% right that it's a crime that it doesn't end up on you know these uh, top 100 or whatever lists ever because that's just because especially in the 90s, a lot of records came out and they were, a, a lot of the bands were singles bands. Like they'd have a record and it was 10 tracks and eight of them were filler and they had two singles on it. And so Southern Harmony is an album, a, a cohesive album at a time where nobody was putting out real cohesive albums. You know, I mean, you had a few, you know, uh, R.E.M. put out Automatic for the People at that time. And, you know, was, you know obviously there's other ones you can reference, but most most things were to push the single, you know?
1: And a lot of them were one-hit wonders, too.
2: Oh, absolutely, if they were lucky.
1: Yeah, uh, at that time. Yeah, it just frustrates me it doesn't get more um, more love than it than it does. And um, yeah, the, those top four, though, I mean, I'm if somebody offers me a ticket to go see Amorica played all the way through, I'm as excited about that as I am Southern Harmony.
2: Oh, yeah. They're, those top four, they're really all on par. Like, it, it's really when you get through five through 10, that the controversy starts, you know, it's like, which one, which, which divisive album are you going to put over? Which divisive album, you know, which, which I, leads me to ask, because I thought of it. Oh, I had two questions while you were doing your list that I came, I thought of, uh, because you had mentioned you don't like, uh, downtown money waster. Have you heard the electric version of that, which I believe they played live, but there's also yeah. a studio version from the I band. Says. Do you, do you like it any better? Cause I, I like the electric. One I just don't,
1: I just don't like it, you know? And I, I remember when, um, on my other podcast I had uh Craig Helmrick on and we did we broke down a and he kinda thought that I mean he you know Mark Ford has recorded on a couple of his albums. He kinda thought that P twenty five London and Downtown Money Waster were things that the band enjoyed playing. He's like I can see how as a musician they would be fun to to play. And you know, he thinks maybe that's how they got on that album. Um It just never has done anything for me. To me, it doesn't fit like the vibe of the album. I think of, you know, Amorca as just being this kind of like somewhat chilled ear candy album because you have the percussionist on there and it's just recorded so well. And then I feel like Three Snakes is kind of the, you know, kind of like the ultimate drug album. And on Amorica, just to me, it just the tempo and everything of it on Downtown Money Waster just doesn't, doesn't lend to helping the album flow. But that's just me. I mean, there, there's a lot of people that that like that stuff and just because it is different and that's fine. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain if I go and they play Downtown Money Waster. I just, it's to me, it really messes up the flow of that album.
2: Yeah. I mean, I could totally see that. And I agree. I I much prefer the electric version and Particularly because the backbeat, the groove that uh, Steve lays down on that is fantastic. That's really what draws me into that electric version. It's his drumming on it. It's it's unbelievable. But the other question I had for you, because mm-hmm. you you know talking about before the frost, and I always view, like I said, before the frost as the the vinyl version, which starts with Aimless Peacock and and goes through. It's a different track listing than the the two separate. Is if you if uh, for those who uh, didn't know or don't remember. The original release was uh, on CD. It was one disc, and then you got a download for the other half. So, and then the vinyl was, you know, a different track order. Do you think that um, if it was whittled down to one disc, and I don't mean the one disc that was originally released, but could you make like a track listing that fit onto, you know, within the confines of eighty minutes on a disc, and and have it be a much more cohesive album, or do you think it's just too I sprawling? Could,
1: I could see it maybe bumping up one spot. For me, if you did that, there's just let me pull up the track listing because sometimes I go blank when i on the spot. um th- There's some stuff on there I just man, I just don't like.
2: I can tell you what tune I don't like right off the top of my head. It's What's the that? one that it's a uh, garden gate. I'd never, it's it sticks out like a sore thumb to me on that album. Um, Let's see, stylistically,
1: The Last Place That Love Lives. I don't like that. I don't like Make Glad. I don't like Houston. Don't dream about me. I hate kept my soul. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I like uh, good morning, captain. Been a long time. Appaloosa train makes a lonely sound. I actually like ain't, I ain't hiding. What is home. It's real. It's really weird on what is home. I don't like the version of before the frost, but it's my favorite track on that first magpie live album. The way they re they worked it in with, with the electric guitars. I like Shady Grove, Angels Peacock, um, Shine Along, Roll Old Jer Roll Old Jeremiah, I love. CRB did that a lot and it was really, really good. And so many times the Fork in the River are good. So yeah, I think you could whittle it down. Now, to me, one of the um unsung songs on the album is uh and the band played on. I love that song.
2: And I didn't like that initially, and I I came to like it more. And I I'm surprised you don't like uh The last place that that love lives. Um, There's actually a much better version of it for me. Um, I think we actually uh, might've tacked it onto one of the episodes, but it's, it's Chris and and Neil doing it like, you know, live in the studio kind of thing. And that, that's a really nice version of that song. It's arranged slightly differently. And,
1: and I'm going to get hate mail for this, but I mean, it's what I think. I actually prefer the CRBs version of Appaloosa to the black crows one. That they put on the uh, the second album, uh, "This Magic Door."
2: It's a little more uh, slowed down, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with their version. And but, if uh, if
1: I am not hallucinating, when he was on the Howard Stern show a couple years ago and gave that you know kind of controversial interview, I think I heard him say this was about his wife at the time.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I mean, I, I always liked the uh, the song "Before the Frost." for me, it became a, a situation. is like, you can tell which songs were Chris's songs and which songs were Rich's songs. You know what I mean? Like who, who was the dominant writer, which is the same thing that started to happen with the Beatles later on. You could tell the Paul songs from the John songs, you know, I just kind of gravitated more toward, towards Rich's material. Well, you can, you, can, I,
1: you can start to see the handwriting on the wall with war paint, but it's mm-hmm. completely obvious with before the frost. I, I would love to have Luther Dickinson come on and, our our whole amount of questioning be just about those before the frost sessions. Like how much oh, yeah. material did they have before they got there? How much did they write while they were there? Kind of that whole process. Cause I mean, I, it's one of the most original concepts I've ever heard of.
2: It was a great idea at the time before the frost came around, I was much more interested in Richard's solo material, what he was coming up with there. And um, it's funny that you say that about what the version of what is home, because you know when they went and did the cabin fever sessions you know they said no taping no taping and of course somebody went in there with a recorder and so a couple of things were released and the the first thing i connected with was what is home i really like that song a lot and i like both versions i like the i think that electric version is fantastic well Ian, do you think we've made enough people mad tonight yeah i'm i'm scared this is going to come out and uh, it might just uh, ruin everybody's uh, new years and i we apologize in advance for that you know uh this was fun. This was fun. This and this
1: was an easy one for us to do over the holidays where we didn't have to uh coordinate schedules with somebody to be on here or do any research. So uh
2: yeah, and um you know, if anybody uh wants to play at home when we post the uh episode on uh you know, Facebook or any other social media if you want to get in there with your rankings and see how you match up with us and have a good fun uh you know, easygoing argument for lack of a better word uh, you know we of course uh you know we love to be told we're wrong so you know have at it you know and shout out before we get
1: off there shout out to all our twitter followers we've really uh beefed up that uh online presence and uh, if you follow us uh, you know that um especially in the last week i bet i've done man i've bet i bet i've given away stuff to a hundred different people on there um so follow us on twitter at state of amorca like our Facebook page at state of America podcast. And, um, we have an Instagram account, state of America, and leave us a, a rating and a review on Apple podcast. That really helps us with, um, getting our podcast out as a suggested, uh, listen to other people that listen to music podcasts and even some other non-music podcasts. And that'll help us grow. And as we grow, we're more able to present our numbers to people to have them come on. Um, because obviously people want to, uh, and we have a lot of irons and a lot of fires right now. And, uh, some people have told us, no, some people have said, circled back and said, when I have something to promote. And then some people have said, yes, we know, um, you put, you guys really enjoy those interviews, especially with like Steve Gorman, Steve Hyden and Matt Slocum. And our goal is to, uh, to get more of those, but, um, uh, that's a two way street. People have to be willing to come on and, uh, we think we have the inside track on being able to get some people on and we have some very interesting ideas for some of the people uh if we can get them on so uh, just bear with us on that and we'll uh we're gonna do our best to uh keep this thing growing and keep it interesting for everybody Ian great start to a new year
2: I'd say so and uh you know it only like I said it only goes up from here and uh you know um Uh, Once again, thank you to everybody who's been with us, especially everybody who's been with us from the very beginning, from Square One. And thank you to all the wonderful guests um, we've had over the course of the last 23 episodes. And uh, we do have some very exciting stuff coming up. And, uh, David, I believe you had a uh, a nice little track to uh, play us out uh, for this episode.
1: Yeah, to play us out this week, my favorite song from my favorite album. It's one of my favorite versions. Stay tall, everybody.